0: My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get Big Mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today's case is out of Athol, Idaho. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Just last week on April 23rd, it was announced that a 57-year-old former Idaho State police trooper named Dan Howard had been charged with the murder of his wife, Kendi Wilkins. Kendi Wilkins was an incredible mother and grandmother. She was bubbly and fun and was just a hoot to be around. If you knew her, you loved her. Dan Howard, on the other hand, was a real piece of shit. We'll get to that, but we're going to talk about Kendi right now because she's what matters most here. Kendi Ann Wilkins was born and raised in Idaho. According to her obituary, her childhood was spent playing Barbies, taking dance classes, singing in the bath, and horse riding. She was extremely athletic, she went on to star on the track team, and in a complete state of badassery, Kendi raced in the Powderpuff motorcycle class at local tracks. All of that led to her competitive nature going into full swing, and she took on competitive games on horseback, rodeos, and even more. She was also crowned royalty at various local horse organizations. During high school, Kendi gave up the rodeo life so she could focus on school and making money. She worked in the restaurant industry starting at the pizza factory and eventually worked at a cafe with her mom and brother. It was a family affair. And because Kendi was so bubbly and outgoing, the customers fell in love with her. After graduating in 1990, Kendi went on to have a daughter who we're going to call Brittany. Kendi and Brittany were the kind of mother-daughter duo we need in this world. They were always together and as best friends as mothers and daughters can get. After Brittany was born, Kendi went on to marry Dan Howard and they welcomed their own son who we'll call Ben. They settled in Anthal, Idaho, which is a very small town in northern Idaho near the Washington state border. Dan worked for the Idaho State Police, while Kendi worked at a health center in the area. Cops and nurses are pretty much a staple in the police community. I would know. I'm married to a police officer, but I'm not a nurse. In her spare time, Kendi wanted to be outside. Whether it was going to concerts, spending time with friends, planning parties, she wasn't into being cooped up inside the house. Those who knew Kendi say she was the most fun person in the world. Everyone loved her. Since this case is still unfolding, there isn't a ton of personal information out there about Dan Howard, but we do know that he joined the state police in late 1994 when he was 29 years old. I also found out that on February 7th, 2011, almost exactly 10 years to the day before Kendi was killed, Dan was part of an officer-involved shooting. The Associated Press reported that on February 7th, Dan was on duty when he stopped a jeep for speeding on Highway 95. When Dan approached the car, he saw that there were two people inside, a driver named Mark and his common-law wife, Christy. Dan took Mark's information back to his car and radioed it into dispatch. That's when he learned that Mark had a federal fugitive warrant from four months earlier when he walked away from a pre-release center in Montana. Dan would later learn that Christy was also wanted after failing to show up for a trial on a forgery charge. Because Mark was a fugitive, Dan was going to have to mark this as a high-risk stop, which meant that another trooper was going to have to come in and back him up. When his backup got there, they told Mark he needed to surrender, but that's not what Mark did. Instead, he hightailed it the hell out of there, because if Dude was willing to walk away from a pre-release center, he certainly wasn't about to be busted during a traffic stop. Dan and his backup hopped into their patrol cars and took after him. A chase ensued, which got up to 100 miles an hour, And the chase didn't end until Dan and Mark got into a nearly head-on collision. Dan's airbags wound up deploying in the crash, but that didn't really slow him down. He got out just in time to see that Mark was backing up, seemingly coming straight at him. Dan responded by opening fire, and within three whole seconds, he fired 14 shots, six of which hit the Jeep. One of the first two shots struck Christy, who was sitting in the passenger seat. A bullet grazed Mark's skull, but he was able to keep driving. After Mark realized Christy had been shot, he then pulled over. Unfortunately, even though Christy was only the passenger in this situation, she died from her injuries. Mark survived, but was ultimately taken into custody. According to the Associated Press, he was charged with battery, eluding an officer, and being a fugitive from justice. He was held on a $1.5 million bond. Dan was placed on admin leave with pay while an outside agency investigated the shooting. This happens anytime time there's an officer-involved shooting. During the investigation, Dan and Mark were both interviewed. Dan said he'd opened fire because he was afraid for his life, thinking Mark was trying to run him over. However, Mark told investigators that he hadn't been trying to run Dan over at all. He was just backing up so he could turn around and continue fleeing. He said he didn't see Dan in the road behind the jeep. After months of investigating, the agency concluded that while Christie's death was regrettable and a tragedy for her family, Dan was justified in using deadly force. Following that conclusion, Dan was cleared to return to duty. Just under two years later, Dan was being investigated again. This time, it was for what he was doing off-duty. In October 2013, officers in Kootenai County, which is just south of Anthal, got a report of harassment and damage to the home of one of Dan's friends and neighbors, who we're going to call Nathan. KHQ reported that over a month long investigation, detectives concluded that Dan was likely responsible for the reported harassment and damage. A cop was responsible. During the investigation, Kootenai detectives learned that in early March 2013, Kendi told Dan that she'd been having an affair since late 2012. No one knows exactly why she told him, maybe to clear her conscience, or maybe Dan found something and accused her and she came clean. As of this recording, I have no idea. But what I do know is that Dan did not take the news well. CDA Press reported that he showed up at Kendi's work and demanded to know who she'd been having an affair with. Kendi reluctantly gave in and told Dan that the man she'd been having an affair with was Nathan, his friend and neighbor. Dan, who was extremely agitated, left Kendi's work and headed over to Nathan's job so he could confront him. Dan accused Nathan of the ultimate betrayal and even ripped a metal piece off of Nathan's desk and hit Nathan's laptop with it. Dan then shoved the metal piece and laptop at Nathan before finally leaving. Shortly after that confrontation, Dan began a months-long campaign of criminal mischief aimed directly at Nathan. According to a warrant, Dan poured corn syrup into Nathan's vehicles, graffitied his lawn, put an anonymous letter in his mailbox, and left him vulgar messages. Dan stole Nathan's guns and his mail, shot Nathan's roof with a shotgun, and on multiple occasions, he followed Nathan while in his police car. All examples of egregious abuse of power and full-blown what-the-fuckery, but that's not all of it, you guys. One day, Dan stood on his property and aimed an assault rifle at Nathan, who was standing in his own backyard. Naturally, that scared the ever-living shit out of Nathan, so he went inside of his house and hid. Another day, Dan again stood in his yard and threatened Nathan, who was, yet again, in his own backyard, minding his own damn business. Dan yelled, saying, I don't know where you're at, but I'm going to find you and kill you, you bleep. You bleeped up my life. When you least expect it, I will find you. And I only said bleep there because I genuinely don't know what cuss words he used. I mean, I can assume one of them. But moving on. KREM2 reported that due to Dan's terror-inducing behavior, Nathan actually wound up moving out to Washington State. This man had to move his whole ass life to another state just to get away from Dan, who was, and I repeat, a state police trooper at the time. Nathan went to the Kootenai County Police and told them what was going on, which is when the investigation into Dan began. Because Dan was an ISP trooper, Kootenai County detectives told the department that one of their own was being investigated. KHQ reported that the state police opened their own investigation. However, Dan was able to keep his job, for now at least. As of this recording, no information about ISP's internal investigation has been released. In December 2013, detectives pulled out a search warrant for Dan's home. During the search, they found several things that sent Dan up shit creek without a single popsicle stick. For example, they found an untagged deer and a fake title for a motorcycle in which Dan used a fake name. They also found 15,000, yes, you heard me right, 15,000 rounds of ammunition, which Dan had stolen from the Idaho State Police, which is a huge no-no in case you didn't catch that. The Spokesman Review reported that Dan had an excuse for the ammo, saying he was a shooting range officer, so he had to spend time at the range. He lived near the range, so he decided to keep the ammo at his house for convenience. However, I happen to know a little about this, and the ammo is generally stored in a secure area where ammunition has to be signed out for use. You don't just get to go in and sign it out and take it home. In April 2014, 48-year-old Dan was officially charged with multiple felonies and misdemeanors in regards to what they found during that search. He was charged with felony theft, petty theft, grand theft, forgery, and possession of an untagged deer. The deer seems petty at this point, but I'm here for it. KHQ reported that after the criminal charges were filed, the Idaho State Police put Dan on admin leave without pay this time, pending the outcome of the charges. But Dan's legal troubles were not over yet. A month later in May, he was charged with first-degree stalking, aggravated assault, and malicious injury to property. Those charges stemming from the harassment and damage to property that Dan committed in retaliation for the affair Nathan had with Kendi. In Dan's arrest warrant, detectives noted that all the crimes were done in a way to cause the most emotional damage to Nathan, but limit any physical evidence the perpetrator was Dan Howard which is very cop-like of him. And don't come at me for saying I hate cops. I'm married to one, so calm down. We just happen to know this one's a shitbag, so we're calling it as we see it here. He knew how to make shit harder to tie to him, and he went for it. Thankfully, he failed miserably. Following his arrest, detectives interviewed Dan multiple times about the allegations against him. Dan admitted to some of the things he'd done to Nathan, but not everything. An affidavit stated that in one of his interviews, Dan said Nathan was only alive because Dan was allowing him to be. How kind of him, and also very, very stupid to say. Dude's obviously losing it at this point, The affidavit further said during this interview, Dan expressed mirth and was quoted as saying awesome when he learned that the graffiti on Nathan's lawn could be seen from Google Earth satellite imagery. And now I'm genuinely curious about what the hell Dan did to Nathan's lawn that made it visible from literal space. Damn it, I want to know. Law and Crime reported that in the end, Dan took a plea deal where he pleaded guilty to the fraudulent motorcycle title charge and for possessing the untagged deer. He further entered Alfred pleas for felony malicious injury to property and petty theft and agreed to pay Nathan restitution. All the other charges were dropped. For anyone who doesn't know, an Alfred plea is essentially someone pleading guilty but maintaining their innocence. Sometimes it's referred to as the best interest plea, though in this case I'd venture to say it's more of a cop-out plea. The pun was not intended but very much appreciated. In November 2014, Dan resigned from the Idaho State Police after serving 19 years and 11 months. This sounds like a voluntold situation since your retirement and pension usually hit at 20 years, which Dan was one month shy of. Nonetheless, sounds like voluntold cannot confirm. Two months later, in January 2015, Dan's sentencing hearing was held. The prosecution wanted Dan to serve five years since Dan had betrayed the trust the public has in an officer and because he'd spent a crap ton of time and effort committing these crimes. Dan's defense asked for leniency, telling the judge that Dan really struggled after the 2011 shooting. They said he'd been diagnosed with PTSD. They also said Dan didn't take the affair very well, saying he was just falling apart. That's the simplest way to put it. He was at rock bottom. The attorney added, He was a hurt, damaged person who also just happened to be a police officer. Being a hurt, damaged person doesn't give you the right to be a total shithole menace. Five people took the stand to talk about Dan's character and his struggles. Other friends, former co-workers, and family members wrote letters to the judge in support of Dan. One of the people who testified on behalf of Dan was Kendi. At that point, she and Dan had reconciled. No one knows what Kendi said on the stand, but multiple friends testified that Dan was not the same after the 2011 shooting. They said the shooting, coupled with the affair, was too much for Dan to handle. One ISP trooper testified he was just in a really dark place. Another trooper said that the Dan he knew was intelligent, philosophical, hardworking, and dedicated to his family. This was not the same Dan who committed the crimes. Dan himself addressed the court, telling the judge, I screwed up and I stand here utterly ashamed. He said he would forever endeavor to correct these wrongs. Dan is a baby bitch liar. The judge was unfortunately lenient with him and gave him a whopping 120 days in jail, a three-year suspended prison sentence, probation, and 600 hours of community service. The Spokesman Review reported that the judge said he believed Dan lived under immense stress after the shooting. The judge told Dan, it's obvious to me that you were not yourself. You were a broken human being. You rehabilitated yourself. A lesser man could not have done that. The fuck? A year and a half later, in July 2016, Dan was discharged from probation. Following that, he seemed to stay under the radar. That is, until February 2nd of 2021. As of this recording, not much is publicly known about what happened that day. What we do know is that at some point, Dan called 911 to report that Kendi had shot herself at home. When the Kootenai County Sheriff's Office responded to the scene, they found 48-year-old Kendi naked in the bathtub and she was dead. When it comes to suicide in women, it's not uncommon for it to take place in a bathtub because they generally don't want to leave a mess. It is uncommon for women to shoot themselves, though. According to a study by NCBI, women are 47% less likely than men to shoot themselves in the head. Now, we don't know where she was shot, but that is the study I'm talking about. They added, Women, even in the face of death or only an attempt, are concerned with the aesthetic and their own appearance. A woman shooting herself while naked wouldn't be impossible, but it would certainly be out of the norm. According to Kendi's daughter, Dan claimed Kendi took her own life. However, everyone else who knew Kendi said there was no way she would do that. She'd never leave her daughter or granddaughter behind. An autopsy was conducted, and Kendi's manner of death was undetermined. It wouldn't stay that way, but we'll get to that in a minute. Due to the circumstances of Kendi's death, detectives opened an investigation. Unfortunately, there was no media coverage of Kendi's death until last week. That being said, it was talked about online. Months after Kendi's death, her daughter posted, Dan called it in as a suicide. There are multiple reasons why this doesn't make sense, but I don't want to interfere with the ongoing investigation. While she wasn't going to do anything to jeopardize justice for her mom, she did open up about the type of husband Dan was to Kendi. According to Brittany, Kendi had undergone years and years of emotional and physical abuse at the hands of Dan. Brittany wrote, For a long time growing up, I didn't realize that how my mom was treated in her marriage wasn't normal. I remember constantly telling her that I would never get married because I wouldn't give the opportunity for a man to be that way to me. She would laugh it off and tell me that people put up with a lot they don't expect they would when they're in love. Which breaks my entire heart, ladies, gentlemen, whoever, please do not put up with abuse just because you're in love. Love is not abuse. Kendi deserves so much more, and all she got was Dan. As a side note, just because I don't think this is said enough, kids would rather be from a broken home than live in one. Don't be with a man you wouldn't want your daughter to marry or your son to become. You deserve a life of peace, and so do your kids. Brittany said she couldn't recall a day where Dan didn't put Kendi down. He'd say she was stupid, that she was a whore, and a terrible wife and mother. He'd even call her fat and tell her she should go to the gym. And no wonder she dipped out on this sleaze bag, who, by the way, looks like he'd drink whiskey by a dumpster. Kendi, on the other hand, was absolutely gorgeous. When Kendi did go to the gym, Dan would call and text her dozens of times, and they'd eventually end up fighting. Brittany wrote, I was in junior high the first time I threatened to call the cops after he slapped her. He laughed it off, saying they wouldn't believe me, as he was still a state patrolman at the time. She cried and asked me not to, as she didn't want to disrupt our life. So I didn't. I wish at least that one report would be on record now. Brittany said Kendi and Dan's marriage was always bad, but it had become terrible in the last few years. Kendi would go to work with bruises and would do anything not to be home when Dan was. And in true abuser fashion, whenever Kendi wanted to try to leave, Dan would threaten to kill himself. DomesticShelters.org quotes clinical psychologist Carolina Estevez as saying, This type of behavior can be incredibly effective in controlling a victim's emotions and keeping them locked into an unhealthy relationship. Abusers may use this tactic to avoid any consequences for their abusive behavior since the threat of suicide makes it harder for victims to leave or seek help. The website gives instructions on what to do when this happens, and it all comes down to their last line, which says, even if you're worried about your partner, your safety needs to come first. And I feel like you need to go ahead and say this. Please stop yourself from ever asking the question, why didn't she just leave? It is not that simple. Domestic abuse is the systematic destruction of the victim's self-worth and identity. Piece by piece, your abuser removes everything you once were and makes you genuinely believe that no one will ever love you except them and that you're lucky they're even sticking around. And when it comes to finally taking the initiative to leave, It's threat after threat, manipulation after manipulation, and they may even do a full 180 and be the perfect Prince Charming you always wish they'd be, but that Prince Charming always dies, and the only thing their momentary lapse of narcissism did was prove that they knew how to and were fully capable of treating you with dignity, love, and respect, and they've chosen not to for years. So it's not as simple as just leaving. Add that on to the fact that, according to an interview with the executive director for the Mississippi Coalition Against Domestic Violence and the Clarion-Ledger, the statistics are that women in abusive relationships are about 500 many times more at risk when they leave. Adding, domestic violence is all about power and control, and when a woman leaves, a man has lost power and control. Battered Women's Support Services states that 77% of domestic violence-related homicides occur upon separation. In December 2020, Kendi started talking seriously about divorce. She met with attorneys, got her finances together, and started looking for houses. She had a whole plan, and she was finally ready to get the hell out of that house. But in late January 2021, a week before Kendi's death, everything got worse. Brittany wrote, One morning, she woke up with him standing above her wearing all black and gloves. While talking to him, she was able to get her phone and make a call. She didn't want to talk to law enforcement, she just wanted out. And please remember here that her husband was law enforcement? That's a terrifying situation to be in. Kendi and Dan decided to separate for the weekend, each going to stay with different people. While she was gone, Kendi's loved ones begged her not to go back, but because it's just not that simple, she did end up going back. She was convinced he would never do anything beyond pushing or hitting her, And oh my gosh, my heart hurts. Brittany wrote, When she went back, she was still pretty shaken up, but was convinced he had accepted it and everything was moving forward. Brittany continued, He came home February 2nd and she didn't make it to February 3rd. My mom, who has never touched guns, was found naked in her bathtub, killed with a gun. While we don't know much about the investigation into Kendi's death as of this recording, I think it's safe to assume that Brittany told all of that to detectives. And once they knew Dan was abusive and Kendi was about to leave, Dan's story of Kendi taking her own life became even less believable. Despite evidence pointing Kendi's death towards being a homicide, Dan wasn't arrested for years. As time went on, Kendi's family got more and more rightfully upset that the man they believed was responsible for taking Kendi's life was still free to live his however he wanted. On February 2nd, 2023, the two-year anniversary of Kendi's death, Brittany posted the following to Facebook. Most days, I remember you and I'm sad. Today, I remember you and I'm so angry. I'm angry that someone decided that your life was disposable. I'm angry that he has tried to erase you while pretending to grieve you. Today equals two years of waiting. Waiting for a criminal to be held accountable for all the hurt he caused you. Brittany continued, Before this, I wouldn't have imagined the pain and frustration people have to deal with when they're in these legal situations. You deserve so much more out of life. Mama shouldn't be scared to go home. Your light lives on. But there's a big hole here without you. You didn't get to live your life free without someone trying to kill your spirit. Brittany ended her post with, I love and miss you so much. It doesn't get easier. I've just learned to live life differently. Finally, last week, on April 21st, the sins of Dan's past came back to bite him in the ass. That day, a grand jury indicted 57-year-old Dan with murder and felony domestic battery. That evening, Dan turned himself into the county jail, where he continues to be held without bond. And I'm sure that being a cop in jail is just delightful. Following the announcement of Dan's arrest, Brittany posted on Facebook saying, the last two years have felt like a lifetime, full of doubts and unanswered questions. The last 24 hours have been a whirlwind. This is only the beginning, but my heart hurts a little less today. I am so thankful and appreciative to everyone who has worked towards this and has kept my mom's memory alive. It means more than I can ever put into words. Dan was arraigned on April 24th. Since then, a motion to unseal records was made, along with a motion to disqualify the judge without cause. Neither motion has been ruled on as of this recording. As of right now, we don't know exactly what evidence led authorities to finally press charges against Dan. But judging by the indictment, they must feel pretty confident they have a solid case against him. According to CDA Press, officials said, over the course of the investigation, detectives reportedly found probable cause that the fatal gunshot wound Kendi sustained was not self-inflicted. Once they established probable cause, detectives went to prosecutors and they agreed to put the case before a grand jury. While that was the most recent update, I did look at some court records that showed that on March 30th, 2023, just three weeks before Dan was arrested, he filed an application for formal probate in regards to Kendi's estate. A quick trip to Google tells me that informal probate allows a person's estate to be transferred to the beneficiaries without any court involvement or court hearings. So basically what that means is that Dan was applying to get Kendi's assets without any court proceedings. Before we end this episode, I want to share one last thing from Brittany's Facebook. When writing about Kendi's experience with domestic violence, Brittany said, If you're in a situation where your partner scares you, even if you're sure it won't get to this, please get help. Please leave. Just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it won't. I personally want to add that you are worth all the good things life has to offer. You deserve the friends and family your abuser has pushed out of your life. You deserve to feel good in your own skin. You deserve to be able to go to the store without being glued to your phone so you can answer it and get berated. You deserve to come home without preparing for what mood your abuser might be in and then trying to formulate the best way you can avoid them lashing out. You deserve to feel safe. You deserve to love yourself. You deserve to be loved and you deserve respect. If you or someone you know needs help, please call the Nationwide Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. You can also live chat at thehotline.org or text START to 88788. All three of these are 24-7, free and confidential. They offer so many incredible resources that you might not even know you needed. Of course, I will link all of these below in the show notes. For all photos pertaining to this case, check out Kendi's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley. We go live regularly on TikTok to discuss all episodes and any other true crime cases on your mind. So follow me at the Heather Ashley and tap on the bell icon so you can get notified anytime we go live. If you love the podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every time. And if you have a case you'd like to hear covered, share with Big Man True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. Okay, guys, we are officially at the end of the episode, and it is time to share a review that made my whole entire day. This one is from Unshakable Faith and says, I normally listen to NPR or BBC, so this pod is pretty far from my normal listening preferences. That said, I caught myself LOLing nearly every episode and that my friend takes some witty side snark. So I have to recommend these deep dive case reviews with Heather because I always find out stuff about cases I thought I knew and it feels like being on the phone with a friend. And who doesn't need more friends like that? Okay, love you, bye, but she wrote all that in emojis, which is the cutest thing ever. Unshakable Faith, you are my favorite person of the day. We are all besties here, and this podcast would be absolutely nothing without you and every other listener like you. I appreciate the ever-living crap out of you, all of you, and thank you so much for taking time out of your day to say something kind to me. It means the entire world kill Bye.